this podcast. I have bad words because my daddy says words like damn and other bad words too much. Listener description is advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a podcast for dads, where dads talk about life, kids, and stuff. We are your hosts, Galan and Joe. No, John is not with us today. I know all you faithful John listeners will be disappointed yet again. We are Johnless. Raise the glass of bourbon in um, in memory of John's absence. <laughs> I don't know. I don't in know. Memory. We're not pouring one out because he is still with us. In general, he's just not yes. physically with us for the episode. Yes. And if we poured out a bourbon, he'd be upset. Yeah. He's, he's, he's sleeping somewhere, I think. <laughs> somewhere, we hope. He probably went to bed at like 8.30. Yes. Probably 7.30 after getting dinner at the Lubies, I would assume. Oh, wow. <laughs> we really downgraded John <laughs> getting dinner at Lubies. Oh, wow. oh. oh man, good times. Well, uh, even though we do not have John with us this episode, we do have a third guest. Galan, do you want to tell our listeners who they're going to be hearing? Yes. Um, so, of course, I turned 40 in November, and Joe kind of surprised me with this um, – kind of early birthday present um uh, it's a two-stepper we're hoping to get the seven, second step but the first one is a ticket personality from you know 1310 to 96.7 fm the ticket um local sports radio here in dallas i'm a big fan i've been listening for a long time and we um were able to have norm hitzkis on who is a uh, texas hall of fame or radio hall of fame um inductee he's pretty awesome he's a uh, been in the Dallas Fort Worth area for like 44 years, I think it is. Yep. Um, really cool guy uh, to, to sit down and talk to, and uh, it, it very much reminded me of our conversation with Dale Hansen right. uh, so long ago, where it's, you know, you you ask him a question, and he just the way that he tells the story and the way that he he puts word. I mean, he's a professional. He's yep. been doing it for 40. He's in the Hall of Fame for it. Right. Uh, but it, it's just really cool to to sit down and have a conversation with someone that has so much life experience can articulate themselves well and is, um, is entertaining. Right. Uh, I, I think, I know that for some people, especially some of the younger uh, people in the DFW area, um, Norm's, uh, brand of sports talk radio isn't quite as, uh, silly as some of the other ticket stuff can be. Um, but I, uh, I've always enjoyed listening to, uh, to Norm, uh, talk about, all the different stuff. So to hear him talk about life stuff was even more interesting for me. So I really appreciate you putting that together for uh, my early birthday, Joe. Sure, yeah. My, uh, my 40s celebrate, my 30s weep. Right. <laughs> well, I was happy happy to do it. And one of the things I enjoyed about this interview with Norm, um, you know, I I uh, uh, didn't want to seem like I wasn't a ticket fan uh, when we were in person. So I, I kind of fudged the truth a little bit and said that I uh, was a a ticket fan. And when I reflected later, I realized I had said big ticket fan. So I was even bigger fudge, but uh, he didn't need to know that. Although if he's listening now, he does. So, well, the joke's on me. We're not there in person anymore, but 
you know, I did I did do my it's research. It's okay to lie when you're not in person, as long as you're in person. <laughs> you know, I did uh, I did know who he was, having been in the Dallas Fort area my whole life, and I, I knew he could talk sports, and I'd listened to several of his shows in preparation for the show and done some research, um, but I didn't quite know what to expect from him as far as uh, an interview, and just you know, to your point about him expounding on his thoughts and opinions on life and, uh, you know, the way our world has changed in the whole time he's been alive and what he perceives is our strengths and our weaknesses and maybe where we can go to improve upon those. It, it was really fascinating. And, and yes, to your point, it is very much akin to our, our episode with Dale Hansen and where he just kind of takes a moment almost as if you're sitting around a fire uh you know late at night and 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 he's just telling stories from his perspective it was it was great to hear also i do want to give you a little bit of uh advice uh one thing that helped me when i turned 30 is uh you can tell people uh you may not be in your 30s but you're also not in your 40s you are 40 and uh, not until you're 41 will you have to say you're in your 40s. So there you go. That's uh, that's what I used all my whole 30th year. But now that I'm 31, I am solidly in my 30s. That sounds like some new age mumbo jumbo. <laughs> no, but, uh, I, but I, before we get to norm, I think the one thing that I think is interesting with these this con, you know these professional broadcasters is it's like going on a, a roller coaster for the first time that you've only seen from afar but you've never ridden so mm. you you ask a question and you just kind of strap in you know and you you have no idea where you're going but you know it's going to be a, you know a hell of a ride so um i always enjoy talking to people that can articulate themselves uh in in that way and of course to talk to a texas or a dallas radio icon is uh is definitely awesome all right, so you will hear this, uh, this. You will hear that interview uh, after this break. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With us at this time is Mr. Norm Hitchkiss of 1310 The Ticket Fame. Norm, thank you for coming today. And you can drop the mister. All right, there we go. <laughs> uh, thank you for meeting with us today. This has been something we've been wanting to get on the books for a while. I know uh, my co-host and I, uh, Galan, are big ticket fans. And Galan, a little bit more than me because he's a little bit older. But uh, yeah. but uh, we were excited to do this. So first of all, welcome. And we want to start you out with a little bit of a softball question we like to ask everybody. But uh, what do you think makes a good dad? A good dad? Uh presence for certain. Um, one of the things we're finding in our society is that dads are not present, not necessarily out of the house, right. just not present enough for their children, I think. I've, I've never had children. I have two stepsons. Uh, but that role, parenting, requires real presence. And I think sometimes we all get very, very, very busy we have all sorts of things to do in our lives, and we don't stop enough to realize that there's a role, an incredibly important role, to play in a home, and that's simply to be present and accessible. Right. Yeah, I think that a lot of parents, myself included, you start out, and when you find out you're going to be a father or mother and father for the first time, you say, I'm going to be there, I'm going to do all this stuff, and 
I'm not going to make these mistakes. And then when real life creeps back in, it becomes a challenge. You have to make that. You have to make effort to do it. You can't just be there. You have to make effort to be involved, interact with, and enrich your your kid's life. Yeah, there's a very good Jim Croce song about that. We'll all get together soon, Dad. We'll all get together soon. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about as well is have you you're kind of pivoting a little bit from from parenting in the radio landscape. You've been around for a while, and so how have you seen kind of working with different generations? So you've worked, uh, you know, most recently with the millennials gen- generation, like myself, coming up and into the radio landscape. How do you think? work ethic has changed or has it changed or has an approach to work changed that you've seen throughout the years? And maybe how do you think parenting plays a factor in that? Well, for me, this is year 44, continuously on the air in Dallas. I believe, I was told this by a a consultant, that that's the longest current stretch of any regular sports talk show host in any major market in America. It used to be your audience was very uninformed, and you informed them. Now, the audience is much smarter. The audience has access to an enormous amount of information. So what you've got to do is point out what in this canyon full of information is important and what isn't important. Now... We are over-informed to a great degree right. on, on yeah. a lot of subjects. <laughs> yeah. And it's much like we can all stand in front of a painting and see the entire scene, but it takes a, a, an eye for the painting to say, look at this over here. Look at the attention he, play, he paid to such and such or, or so and so. So now we're more of a sort out, analyze, and interpret the sports landscape. Now, that was always part of the job, but a great part of the job used to be informing the public. And now, that's that's less necessary than it used to be. Sure. Is it more of, I guess what I want to say is that everybody kind of comes into maybe your show or other shows similar with their opinions preformed. And it's your idea to say, okay, this may be what you're thinking. Let's unpack that as opposed to here's the setup. Here's the game. Here's the news. You already know all that. So let's take what you know and try and open the box. So you go a little bit deeper. Very, very good point. Let's take the Cowboys situation right now. Everybody's all over Scott Linehan, the offensive coordinator and the head coach, Jason Garrett. And by the way, there is more than enough ammunition there for people to be upset in it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But you then say, well, why isn't our offense doing well? Well, we have seven wide receivers and four tight ends on the roster. There's no number one tight end. There's no number one wide receiver. In fact, I will suggest to you there may not even be a number two wide receiver. Well, does coaching play a part in this? Yes. Is it hard to coach up average players to become something much higher than average. Yes, it is. You look around the league and say, well, Belichick would do this. Well, Belichick's had Brady and Gronk and a bunch of receivers that came in and out that had ability. Um, A team is a composite. So when you encounter that, that opinion, 
you must then say, hey, consider also the fact that what they're being asked to coach is an incredibly average group of receivers. (laughs) That makes it harder on the coaching staff and makes it harder on the quarterback. You know, it, it's it's it, you talk about the criticism and it, to, to kind of shift away. We live in a a city with two of the highest profile lightning rod owners in 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 American sports. Lord, yes. In fact, one one can make the case the highest profile NFL owner and the highest profile NBA owner. And listening to you guys over the years, it. There's always criticism. You guys don't shy away from making, you know, criticize or not, not, you know, bringing criticism to the team, the way the team is run or the teams are run or the, the personalities and the decisions these owners make. I guess, can you, I think, I think as, a, as parents, one of the hardest things to do is teach our kids to bite their tongue or to choose their battles. As someone in one of the highest or the, one of the highest or the highest profile radio stations in this, in this uh i just lost the word i'm looking for yeah the market how do you temper your 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 points your criticisms how do you bite your tongue because ultimately those those kind of are the the hands that feed you in a way well honestly that that's never been a consideration of mine um the consideration is is what i'm about to say in my opinion, the truth. I, I have to tell you, I, both Mr. Jones and Mr. Cuban have been very good to me. They are very quietly, extraordinarily generous people. They, they have unbelievable qualities. Mark Cuban is the best niche thinker I have ever met in my entire life. And Jerry Jones, wow. Jerry Jones is an extraordinary businessman. But that does not make them extraordinary owners necessarily. Do they make mistakes? Yes, I believe they do. Uh, And I think we're into an age where where commentators are asked in all areas. Politically, uh, we, we are in the same area right now of... Yes, that's good. Look what's happening over here. And I don't think you should bite your tongue in this situation. Now, must you be careful to not get out on the lunatic fringe? Yes, (laughs) there's a lunatic fringe all over this country and in this area in sports. Mm -hmm. There's a, you know, the sky's falling. No, it isn't. Uh, no, 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 it isn't. Just come, listen, come back in off the ledge and we'll talk. Um, so it's that, I guess what you're saying in Bite Your Tongue is you don't want to go out to the edge with yeah. the lunatic fringe right. whose, whose opinions change sometimes by the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, during Cowboy games, they'll get behind early. I'll get these, oh, my God, emails. Yeah. Right. And then they'll rally to win. And then I won't get an email right. from that person. <laughs> so you, you just got to be careful. I guess what I'm saying is you have to be careful about jumping in the river in either direction. There is going to be 
a flow of the river. Sometimes must you oppose the flow. Oh, my heavens, yes. I got an email from somebody the other day saying, wait a minute, Kyle or Sean Hansen don't believe that. And I wrote him back and I said, with all due respect to my friends, Dale and Tim, I I did not get the word that they were infallible. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and you just got to be careful which flow you join because you do have power. This business has power. We have we have the ability to shape opinions, change opinions. We have the ability to plant wrong opinions. And those things can take off. Yeah. And you just have to have you have to be really careful in that regard. Yeah, I think when I chose the terms bite your tongue, it's it in the the landscape of social media and sites like Reddit and and God knows where else, there is anonymity that people can hide behind. And a lot of these people are the youth, you know, and, and sometimes they're, yeah. you know, 30s and 30 and 40 somethings that are just sharing opinions without any thought of the ramifications of sharing those. 30s and 40s and well, yeah, 50s, 50s people who may be actually at that given moment 15. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> they've so been oh, it hurts. <laughs> affected by God knows what plus what they're seeing. Right. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up social media. I, I, I don't tweet uh, <laughs> Mike will send out something through the ticket thing. I don't tweet. I don't know what Reddit is. Uh, Mary, my wife, has an Instagram. I, I, I wouldn't know how to get to it. Uh, <laughs> my, my former producer, with the wonderful Mark Friedman, set up a Facebook account about 15 years ago. I've been begging him to dismantle it ever since. The last time I saw it, I believe, was the start of of the presidency of the second George Bush. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I, I, I have no idea what's there. <laughs> I, I think that's... I think technology is wonderful. In this case, let me suggest to you, I think an enormous percentage of this is nothing but baloney. And <laughs> I wouldn't disagree if, with that. If there were a way to keep kids... I know parents say hide the cell phone and all that. There are all sorts of dangers lurking there. Our my, my stepsons are 25 and 27. Mary and I thank God that they <coughs> missed the Reddit, uh, Instagram, uh, tweet every 20 seconds. Uh, God knows what else is out there. You hear people going to Tinder. I, I'm, I hear about Tinder. I'm... I don't know what that is, but I'm not at all interested in going there. And I just think that social media, while everybody says, oh, it's great, it's actually created non-communication. I will say at times to my wife, and I know parents will say to children, if you wish to talk to Timothy, dial him on the phone. You want to tell Timothy Meet me at 8.45 outside the library at school. You sit there and you craft the message and then send it. And Timothy looks and he crafts a message back and he sends it. And then you craft it. And you've taken five minutes of message exchanges. 
when you could have done that in 45 seconds of a, hey, Tim, it's Norm, yeah. 8.45 outside the library. Work for you? <laughs> Great. See you in the morning. What'd that take? 12 seconds? Yep. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're getting into that now. Uh, it, it, uh, I'm old school, and you can say old fogey. But let me tell you something. I think a lot of the direction we've gone mm-hmm. in recent years is a negative direction. I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with yeah. that. Under the name of technology. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's interesting. That it's like growing up as a kid, I was like, "It'd be awesome if we had a phone that we could just see each other." And then Back to the Future happens, right. and that that movie comes out the second one, and they have video phones, and now we have them in our hands. Yeah. Where you can call and and speak and see and people send text messages, right. and it's like they have have an entire forty five minute conversation just texting back and forth. Like I used to be that I used to be the the social media. Oh, it's so awesome! And as I've as I've gotten older and as my my daughter turns six and as she gets older, I'm like, we need to. I agree with you. Where we need to craft those relationships. We need to. We've gotten so close and so connected that we're no longer connected. Uh, I had something happen about maybe it's maybe three or four years ago in sales. We're right there at the end of the building. All the salespeople are together in a kind of a bullpen. Everybody has their own cubicle. Sure. But as I walked by, I'd, I'd sent out a message to one person. I stopped by, and the person was was finishing a message. And she said, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just had to get this message off to so-and-so. I said, no, no, no worry, you know. And I thought, wait a minute, so-and-so is sitting right there. <laughs> at the, they were no more, I swear, they were no more than 20 feet apart. That's... And they were texting each other. <laughs> and I thought, what's wrong with this picture? One more thing. We are now also seeing that a lot of our technology is fertile ground for bad people. Yes. Bad people. Bad people who say, man, Facebook is great. We we can plant massive false stories on Facebook. We can can try to affect elections. We can screw up opinions. And what protection do we have? Well, we found out virtually none. Yeah. Virtually none. That's what we're being told. Yep. Virtually none. And people who people who get our phone numbers, people who get this, people who get that, it's it's a troubling time. It is. Uh, what protection I, do we have? Common sense, but that's a Well, as one of my bosses used to say yeah. common sense ain't common. So it's a superpower. Like <laughs> have common sense. You you're you might as well just be a superhero. You know, one of the other things we have here is that we trust. Yes. Kids sit there and they just trust. They trust messaging. They trust whatever. And this goes back about, oh my, 12 years. When Mary and I, who we were dating then, but we talked to the two boys and said, you got to know something. If you send out one bad message, it will be out there 60 years from now. Yeah. You are 15 when you are 75, that message is still accessible. Mm-hmm. That, and if you should happen to say something ugly, as we're finding out, lots of people have said in America, then you have to fall all over yourself and say, that's not me, that's not me, that's, well, 
you know what? It was you at that moment. At the moment you hit send, that was 100% you. Mm -hmm. And the consequences, you got to deal with them. Yeah, it's that that we could probably talk for hours on the, the consequences of putting words on. But you know, twenty years ago, if you said something nasty to somebody, a you did it to their face, but it was gone. It was it was in the air. It's lost. It's never. Mm-hmm. There's nothing permanent. And now you have people that are they post something, and ten years later, or look at James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy and and him getting fired for something he said ten years ago. But you have people that get jobs, kids that get jobs, and don't think about the posting pictures of them doing. Well, you know, God knows what, and then they get fired because of that, and they think, well, they they don't think about the consequences, and I don't think parents do a good enough job of preaching consequences to their kids. Well, let me give you one more example. That's the the thing at Ohio State where Urban Meyer, the head coach, is under such fire. Yeah. How did he choose to deal with it? One of the first things he did was get the the best IT person he could find and say to him, how do I delete every message more than a year old? How do I launder what I said or did? And then when they went to find it, it was gone. We're left to ask, what was in there? Right, what are you trying to hide? What did, yeah, what did you feel you absolutely had to hide? Yeah. As the investigation started, so badly that you drew a line a year ago and said, "That's it. Erase me. Take me out of the world for all that time." And because one suspects there were messages in there that could well have gotten him fired, and it led to the people investigating him saying they felt the head coach Cynthia was not fully truthful with them. But. What do they charge him with? Right. Yeah. Hiding. Hiding. Right. Right. Yeah, you can't charge him with that. I tell you what, he better not lose football games soon. Right. Yeah, that's one way to. One of the things that uh, we talked to a little bit, and this kind of goes along with what you're talking about as far as uh, relationships in this day and age, has been, you know, we we had a conversation uh, with Todd Pipes a while ago about how music has changed and that you used to save up money, buy an album. Mm -hmm. And spend time listening to it because you paid money for it. Now you can listen and Spotify and go, I don't really like the first 10 seconds. Let me go to something else. And I'm finding that in a lot of friendships, people approach it the same way. You used to have, like, it took a while to coordinate us hanging out, me meeting you, us spending time. So I'm going to, you know, there might be some instances I don't like, but I'm going to push through that to really get the, you know, work out the kinks to where it's something solid that's around. And now it's you send a message or or you don't and you I mean you can be friends with people and never see them face to face for your entire life. And so I feel like a lot of people kind of dispose of friendships as carelessly as skipping to the next track on a like Spotify because they're like, ah, there's a million of them out there. It's not that big of a deal. We we are getting more isolated mm-hmm. as a a generation, it it appears to me. We have 71 friends on social media. We have 114 likes. We are now seeing many, many, many situations where people got injured, people committed crimes to be on YouTube, Mm -hmm. to be a YouTube (laughs) hero. Mm -hmm. We we, we see situations where people people just 
they they aren't close. They aren't friends. They are acquaintances. They are ships that collided on a moonless night, and they they sail on, thinking, "Yeah, I, I I think that person's a friend of mine," and we don't know. We don't know. We don't. We think tweeting can cultivate a real friendship. How can you tell the tone of something when you don't hear it? Yeah. You know, um, I I was in a philosophy course in college taught by a brilliant professor named Ted Kissel who talked about the exactness of language. Uh, and he, he took the phrase, only I love you. And he said, let's break that down. What does that mean? Only I love you. I'm the only person who loves you. He said, wait a minute. Let's put a vocal comma in it. Mm-hmm. Only I love you. Nice. Only meaning what? Accept. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then let's move the word only. I only love you. Mm. I love only you. I love you only. I love you only. (laughs) (laughs) You can take those four simple words and you can find all sorts of, and you put them on a Twitter and they're just cold words on paper. You'd love to hear a voice. You'd love to hear a tone. You'd love to see eyes. You'd love to see a facial expression. You'd love to see laughter or hurt or puzzlement and all those things get lost in this colder world of technology. And hey, don't get me wrong. To be able to sit at home and talk to my stepson, stepson Zach, who is now getting his advanced degree in Mandarin in Shanghai. Oh, wow. To be able to Skype with him and talk about his travels and his progress toward his his degree, and he's incredibly fluent in writing and reading Mandarin. To be honest with you, he may write and read Mandarin better than he does English. Um, <laughs> but and, and the possibilities that presents, that's wonderful. There are some aspects of technology that for all of us, for parents and children, there are aspects of technology of, of safety, of being able to know where your children are at any given moment. There's a lot of that, but there are also giant, traps and one of the traps is isolation yeah i think you can use technology i use the example of uh, when my grandmother turned 80 years ago i put together a birthday for her she had no idea but i was able to connect with my family through facebook and say i want to do this we we put together money to take these old eight i don't know was it eight millimeter films and older than that and we had them converted to a dvd so that she could watch them at any time as a surprise without social media i would not have been able to do that because i didn't have all these people's phone Agreed. numbers and I, I think with especially with social media if you use it to enhance your life and it's not it doesn't become your life yeah, then the technology you're saying fine point you, you talk about skype and it's like the fact that you can you can connect with your stepson across the world instantaneously and see him instead of talking on the phone hoping the connection does that's a great way of enhancing 
your life, enriching your life. Exactly right. You, uh, technology is unquestionably a wonderful thing in yeah. that area. Yeah. But we're not getting to the point where I, I have good friends whose children go to bed at 10 o'clock. And they are required to leave their cell phones on a table in the living room. Yeah. You cannot take your cell phone upstairs. You just yeah. can't. Because mm-hmm. I'll be on it all night. Everything yeah. gets shut off. Yeah. Computers get shut off. The cell phones get shut off. Uh, hey, that's one approach to parenting. I personally thought, oh, that's pretty smart. <laughs> I know I know. Um, for me, I have a personal philosophy for myself in that when I go upstairs at my house to go to bed, I have to turn it off or I will not be able to shut down focus on sleep and go to and go to bed and that was something i learned after being up for too many nights in a row too many hours going what am i even doing i'm doing nothing you know i to to stretch back over the years i can remember times when i was much younger and uh perhaps not as wise as i am now (laughs) where in reaction to something i wrote a note and put it in the mail and about an hour later i thought Oh, dear God, I wish I had that note back. <laughs> unsinned, unsinned. I wish I had that note back. I don't, oh, my God, I don't want that. I've, I've even had occasion to call the person I sent the note to and said, please, I beg of you, when you see this envelope from me, throw it away. Right. I, I did something impetuous. I said something I shouldn't have said, and I don't want you to see it. Well, we can't do that anymore. You press send, and one and a half seconds later, the person's got it and is starting to read it. We all do things impetuously at times. Technology now just gives us the right to react instantaneously. That volcano can blow. And a lot of times, Mary and I will encounter situations that really frustrate us. And we'll say... Why don't we wait till morning and talk about this again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because in the morning, it's funny. You're not as on edge. You're much more ready to deal with something when you've had just a little time for for context to settle in. Right. Well, I, mean, I think you talk about the, the instant reaction. I mean, look at what you do for a living. 20 years ago, if you said something and someone disagreed vehemently, they would have to call in, hope to get through. Well, now they can just shoot you an email. Right. They can tweet at you. Or, or, and, and and there's there's so much vitriol behind that sometimes if they yeah. disagree with you. It, that, that's an instant connection to you that, that, you know, you have to choose how do you respond to that, when do you respond to it. But Or they don't even have to contact me. They can just put it out there. Yeah, yeah that, that's, can, that's true, they too. They can yeah. post it in all sorts of different places. Yeah. They can say stuff that's not true. They can take your words and totally botched them that's not what i said you know and but you have to deal with it yeah and in a lot of cases like you said before they retain total anonymity yeah total anonymity and yet someone else's name is out there yeah because of them yeah that's i know that was uh we had a uh a couple episodes earlier in the year talking about what divides us and speaking about politics and how used to 
I have a lot of good friends that are all over the spectrum of political views, but it's something where I've cultivated those friendships because when we've had political talks, we've sat down, you know, we've broken bread, we've hashed it out, and maybe we learn a little bit more about each other. We don't necessarily change our views, but we feel closer because we've been able to talk in a civil manner, and you don't get that at all anymore. People are allowed to be an echo chamber and instantly put negative stuff out there about anybody and then just have other people validate it. And then you just, you get a, you know, you get to siloed off to your point about feeling isolated. Sadly, we are being governed by Twitter in America now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, that's, that's the chosen means of communication for our president. Wow. I, I don't wish to get sure. your yeah. program into a political thing. <laughs> I believe the level of discourse in America right now is by far at the lowest I've ever seen it. There is lower decency, lower morality, lower character, lower compassion, lower understanding and a lower desire for understanding yes. Yes. than I have ever seen before. We used to have two political parties in which the one in power would be in power and the other one would be called the loyal opposition. We don't have loyal majorities and we don't have loyal oppositions anymore. We have no one in the middle. We have no one sitting there saying, what's truly best for this country? Right. Instead of, oh no, this is best for the Democratic Party. Or, oh no, this is best for the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. What's best for America? Oh, what's best for America would be if the two sides of the aisle drew closer and said, wait a minute, you're right, you're right. We got problems with healthcare in America. Why don't we work together and fix them? What do you think we need to fix here? Okay, what do we need to fix here? Okay, immigration. What needs to be fixed here? Instead, we got a war. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. got a, we've got public power arm wrestling politically. Yeah, and th- those who win, in my estimation, have won almost nothing. And those who lose have lost almost nothing because all they've lost is a battle or one is a battle for their particular momentary power base. And I, I don't want this to get a new Republican right. or sure Democrat thing. No. Let me tell you something. If the pendulum swings, it'll be just as bad. Yeah. The revenge of the the out-of-power people when they get power back will be just as low and and vengeful as you can imagine. And that's truly sad for our country right now. That's that may be my primary sadness in in for me in this entire country. You know, it it, it I don't post very much politically on social media or whatever because of just it's just a, a, an arena I don't want to get into. Oh, yeah, you open yourself but up to just being slaughtered. I, yeah. I brought up the, the parties are only interested in their party. And, and something that, that 
you just said even clarified it further when a political party wins regardless of which side you're on the american people seem to lose regardless of what's won or what what subjects are being done it's it's the, the party celebrates a win but yet the general people are worse off for it and it's I'll, I'll be 40 in november and for the past 32 years whatever you know really really through obama like i never i never felt a major difference in my life with, with any kind of politics but over the last two years or three if you count the political campaign I feel the difference. I don't care who won. The divisiveness in the in the way that our our country, I I perceive to be divided. I feel like that we as a people, on the, the domestic and the world stage, we have lost ground. And and the sad thing I believe, is that that's actually a goal, right. of a lot of people in politics to divide. Yeah, yeah. To divide. Uh, I will give you an example from my life. It was the eighties. And we, we passed a, a tax bill last year. Um, now, we can comment on the tax bill if you want, but leave that alone. <laughs> yeah. In the 80s, we needed, desperately needed tax overhaul, and Ronald Reagan was president. And it took months and months and months of work by both parties right. to create this tax bill. And at the signing, President Reagan, there's the picture of it. He's signing, and behind him are some of his most powerful Republican allies and some of the most powerful Democrats. There is Dan Rostenkowski from the Democratic Party yep. standing right next to the president as he signs the tax bill. And the tax bill is three volumes. I don't know how many thousands of pages. But it was a work that came together after a year or more of bipartisan meetings. This year, when the tax bill was announced, a nine-page briefing was handed out to the press. Nine pages. And it was, it was hammered out. With very little bipartisanism. And it it doesn't matter if the Republicans are in charge and the Democrats aren't, or the Democrats are in charge and Republicans aren't. We're we're separating in America. Yeah. We're separating into everything. We're separate separating into rich and middle class, though I think that's disappearing, and poor. Yeah. We're separating into into races. We're separating into red states and blue states. What the hell does that mean? I'm sorry to use that language. What does it mean? Right. Oh, I'm a red state. Wait, wait a minute. America's made up of red and blue. Yes. Yeah. And we should be Americans, not red states or blue states. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's approaching politics like sports. I mean, they're just getting real aggressive and real, you know, but without the sportsmanship aspect. So if you're a, you know, you're a diehard Cowboys fan and you're playing the Eagles, you want the Cowboys to win. But at the end of the day, you can still have a conversation with the Philadelphia fan, but you don't well, get don't that. Know. Well, okay. All right. Maybe, maybe that's a little too far. <laughs> yeah. but that's a little asking too much, but you see where I'm going with this yeah, no, is absolutely. that you people, it's too personal. People are too personal about politics and, 
you know, my color state's going to win, and, right. and that's all I care about. Yes. We, in sports, um, often you hear the phrase, we cheer for the laundry. We don't, we don't care who's in the laundry. Right, right. We cheer for the uniform. That's what's happening a lot in our country. We're cheering for the uniform. That's We're cheering point. for the person with either an R or a D yep. after her or his name. His name, right. and and that's that's just the way we're going. And it, I I see no reason to believe that's going to reverse. Right now, I, I we have started down a slippery slope, and I I don't know why that should ever reverse. And someone's greased the, the slope all the way down, so yeah. that way that slippery slope is. But there's no there, – how do we recover from that? I mean, that, that, that's not a – that's a, a you much don't. longer, longer the, conversation. It's the toothpaste out of the tube conversation. Yeah. That toothpaste is out of the tube. It's much like how do we reco- recover some of our standing with our allies. I, I don't know. How do you – how do you get your nine-year-old back? When the nine-year-old has discovered Facebook and – Twitter and Reddit and Instagram, and I'm not saying those things are all bad, but you feel, you can feel that child isn't yours anymore. You'd like to think, I can protect my child from the world. And then you realize the world can reach your child in all sorts of different ways, incredible ways. And you may be very good at saying you can't do this or this or this. But then the child goes to school <coughs> and meets friends who can do this and right. this and this with their t- cell phone or whatever. Yeah. And you realize your ability to safely control an environment is disappearing. Right. That's, it's... It actually brings me. I mean, it, it'll, the will take us a little bit away from this, but it, it, it there's a lot of adversity that we face as parents. And someone that you know, and, and the people in the Dallas area know, like uh, DJ Moose Johnston, one time describing the Cowboys. I think it was during the Campo era. He said, "Adversity doesn't build character; it reveals it." And that's a, a, something that has become a tenant in my life. Um, and then through all those things we've talked about, you know, people are facing opinions that they differ with or have a a string of bad luck, and they they find adversity throughout your career and your life. I'm sure you faced a number amount of a, a, a considerable amount of adversity going from KLIF to the ticket. You know, when I read an I read an interview where you know, like way back in the day, the way that you viewed the ticket, and then to become a part of that, and I'm sure that that was some sort of adversity. How have you? I mean, and you've and you've thrived. You've thrived with the ticket, and you've thrived in the, in this market for four decades, four plus decades. How have you dealt with adversity to come out on the other side and experience success? First of all, I don't I don't want anybody to think I've had to face any kind of significant adversity. You are going to face whoever you are. You are going to face hurdles in life. I was fired by Channel 4 uh, February 27th, 1975. Not that that still doesn't cause me to be a bit bitter. Anyway. <laughs> that day doesn't stand out for any particular reason. I worked for them for three years, one month, and 17 days. Not that that's burned into my memory. Uh, I, I'd like to. Hmm. But I was told well. when I was fired, 
our consultants have decided you'll never be a major market talent. And I was fired. And I left there and I said, that person's wrong. It's just wrong. I, I, I've got ability. And maybe I didn't. Maybe I was fooling myself. But Jerry Argovitz, who became one of the first great sports agents, said, if you don't believe in yourself, the vote's unanimous. And I didn't have some major awakening or the clouds open and I got a message. I went back to work trying to do as well as I could, and I got fortunate. Somebody noticed me. Somebody. The person noticed me. I was freelancing for Newsweek. And Newsweek called and said, would you like to come to New York and be our sports director for Newsweek TV? And oh my heavens, how your resume changes when it's got the word Newsweek (laughs) in it. People suddenly, oh my goodness, you're working for Newsweek. Was I the same person? Absolutely the same person. And the ticket was hard. I did not respect the ticket very much when I was KLIF. I thought they significantly crossed the line too many times in broadcasting. And I had a hard time picturing myself in that atmosphere. It was very plain to me that I either had to move to the ticket or, as my very good friend Dan Bennett who has been my friend and general manager now for 30, I don't know, some years, said, I said, Dan, what what if I decide not to do this? And Dan looked at me as kindly as he could and said, then we have a legal situation. (laughs) 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 And I thought, you know, I think I'm going over the ticket. (laughs) And when I got here, I found people worked way harder than I thought they did that they cared way more than I thought they did. And it was not long to settle in at all. Yeah. It was not. But when you are going to face adversity, whoever you are, you're going to face it at various levels of life. I've got a good friend now, a good friend, one of my best friends in the world. Um, his job's disappearing, and he's an executive. His job's disappearing. The job of his son's disappearing. Whoa. What does his family do? That's adversity. Yeah. Because he'd like to think he's a buffer in his son's life. Well, now both of their lives need buffers. Yeah. And that's, there's there's real adversity out there. Whoever you are, you're going to struggle through it. It, it may be in the form of job or money or things like that, or it may be in the form of doubt. That life is not easy. It, it, to be lived well, you are going to face adversity, and you're going to have to face it. Uh, conquer it? Not all of us do that. Right. Not all of us do that. But you've got to face it. That's part of living life. I think uh, we can end it there, Norm. Thank you so much for your time. If people want to follow what you're up to on a daily basis, what's the best way for them to do that? 
uh, not Twitter, <laughs> not Facebook, not Reddit, and God knows, not Tinder uh, <laughs> or whatever those things are. Uh, uh, we're here 10 to noon every day at the ticket, which is either 1310 AM or 967 FM. Um, and, and that's probably the best way. The ticket has posts on its website the top 10 segments of the day and things like that where you can catch what's going on at the station. But the best way is if if you have time during there, we're driving around or something, tune us in. Or listen at the office through the ticket or the Sports Day app, I think it is, yeah. or the yeah. or online. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to See, yep. that, capture the... That's another matter. Uh, what if the boss found out you're sitting there staring at your computer and typing meaningless things and what you're really doing is listening to commentary on the Cowboys' offense these days? <laughs> <laughs> or God knows what else during some of the other segments that that come up, yeah. Well, Norm, thank you again for taking time out of your busy, busy day to be with us. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. We are back with the Detox Podcast. I hope you enjoyed Norm the Storm Hitchkiss. <laughs> are you ready to rumble? I, I, I think we said. I think we have to pay that guy now because that's trademarked. Is it uh, Norm? Yeah. He, no, no, no. The Are you ready to rumble? Oh, like, apparently Michael that dude Buffer trademarked it, and he's like, I think made like eight million dollars or something crazy <laughs> on that, or something. It, it's an insane amount of money. You'd have. When you see, if you see the figure, you're like, "Holy crap!" Ladies and, and gentlemen. But yeah, it's um, and so you on. know, I I think when we started that interview, we, that's not necessarily the direction that we wanted to take it, right? Necessarily, you know, like, but it's one of those things where, like I said in the intro, it's you, you get on and it's just it's a roller coaster. You have no idea what's coming. And I really liked the way that the conversation flowed. We got a little bit of sports. We got some, uh, some definitely some, uh, as the ticket would say, HSOs or hard, hard sports opinions. Mm-hmm. Hot sports opinions, not hard. Hot <laughs> sports opinions. Wow, I'm, I'm a terrible P1. Um, but it's you know it, it's it, it was it was a great conversation. We got to touch on some of the questions that we wanted to ask. We asked some things that that were kind of you know. Um, go with the flow of the conversation. So it, it was, it was really cool. And I think that's one of the things that, that, you know, to, to, to have one of those pat ourselves on the back moments when, because John's not here, um, right. <laughs> you know, obviously we're, we, we do this, you know, this is, and we are not, you know, seasoned professionals when it comes to interviews, but I always think, and I've always thought that we do a good job of asking kind of the, some of the questions that they, that are the, the people that are on the guests that are on haven't always been asked or we ask it in a way that they haven't been asked. And we do a good job of kind of rolling with the conversation instead of forcing things back to the rails of our plan. We had, we are able to adapt on the fly. Right. And I, I've always found the conversations, whether it's, you know, someone that you've known for years like Todd or, um, someone like Dale or the, I mean, the, the list of dudes we talked to at fan expo, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's something that I, I always enjoy the middle of those being in the middle of those conversations. Right. Uh, and, and Norm is, is definitely no exception to that. Yeah, it was 
you know, I, I think we kind of said this at the top of the show is it just it, the way he can craft an answer. And, and it, it's almost like, uh, well, this is a better way to say it. It's almost like every single answer was a story. You know, he's a storyteller. He's a broadcaster. He does this for a living. And so in his answers, he was like, well, here's the answer. But here's let me take you on a journey of why I feel this way. And then he kind of wraps it back up and you're like, yeah, I whether I agree or disagree is, is, you know, beside the point. The fact is that you allowed me a peek into your mind about this particular subject based on the way you kind of told and delivered the information. Yeah. There's, um, you know, it's kind of funny. There's, um, I know you, you probably saw it on Facebook. There's a, I found a, an online, like basically kind of want to be strengths finder, uh, test. And, um, which I, I think you're cool to like find out like what what strengths you have. Right. One so of the so something is, akin to like the Myers Briggs for those that may yeah, not be familiar with strengths. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah Myers Briggs kind of like is is your personality type. These are kind of like your specific strengths. But yeah, it's similar right. to Myers Briggs. But it's um one of the questions is is I can't remember how it's worded, but essentially that stories are the best way of explaining things. Right. <laughs> and of course, I strongly agree with that. I love stories that. Teresa's when she saw that question, she's like, I know what you answered to this. <laughs> and I'm like, is it any surprise? Like, right. of course I, I love stories. I love telling stories. I love listening to stories. I just hate reading books. It's kind of, that's kind of a, a bit of irony, I think. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it, it was great. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, as we said in the, in the, the program, and I can't stress enough, you know, listen to the ticket, uh, especially if you're in the DFW area, they're not always the, the cowboy and the ranger homers. Um, that's one reason I enjoyed it, and it's one of the things that when we started the podcast, I really wanted to try to emulate is that conversational um, feel to the the way that they broadcast. It sounds like a conversation that you'd have with your friends about sports. It's just from a, a much more knowledgeable standpoint because that's what they do for a living. Um, but it, it's great. Not not only Norman and um, and Donnie on uh, the, the uh, his co-host on the ten to ten to noon. Uh, segment, but the the musers, bad radio, and the hard line. I mean, I'm a massive ticket fan. If if we could interview everyone at the ticket, I would I would be thrilled beyond <laughs> whatever because I I just I've been listening to those guys for a long time, right? Uh, and and they're such a, an icon in this area. But anyway, I could go on and on and gush about the ticket, <laughs> and that's not going to accomplish anything but make people tune out. And we don't want people to tune out <laughs> right. because we have the hashtag Roundup. That's right. So. Which it, Go ahead. In the spirit of John, explain what the hashtag roundup is. Sure. So uh, the hashtag roundup is a segment where I take uh, interesting things that were said throughout the episode. I create hashtags out of them. And then throughout the episode, I cross them out. So we get the top three. And then we decide uh, the hashtag for the episode. So there's actually a little bit more explanation that goes into that than there is into America's favorite segment, which is after this. So uh, for the hashtag roundup, uh, the three hashtags to choose from are hashtag niche thinker, hashtag lunatic fringe, <laughs> and hashtag a Twitter. Oh man, I'm I'm gonna have to go with lunatic fringe because that was uh, that was funny to me. It was funny to me as well. I'll make a unanimous hashtag lunatic fringe. And, of course, all three of those were courtesy of our guest, Mr. Norm Hitchkiss. He had a lot more quotables uh, that I had written down as hashtags, but uh, decided on those three. So uh, thank you for listening to the Hashtag Roundup. The hashtag for this episode is Lunatic Fringe. But now, Galan, 
Uh, it's time for America's favorite segment, Dad Joke of the Week. And if you can explain what this segment is all about. Well, it's actually the segment that's supposed to come before the hashtag roundup, oh, but I right. kind of forgot. That's, right. uh, that's, that's my fault. The dad <laughs> jokes are um, dad jokes. That's a good explanation. Right? Yeah, uh, no, they're, 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 they're the jokes that are like a play on word. They're, they're the, the cheesy jokes that dads tell. They're the kind of go to over and over punny, um, the silly jokes. They're, they're kind of the, they're the kind of jokes you would see on a Laffy Taffy package. Right. So, Galan, do you have any dad jokes for us this week? I do. I have right. two of them for you Ooh, because nice. for the last few episodes, you have brought many to the table. So I am bringing many to the table. Nice. The first one is, why was the boy covered in gift wrap? Oh, I don't know. Why? Because his mom told him to live in the present. <laughs> that one's a good one. I like live that Live in the present. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, the other one is, what kind of tea is sometimes hard to swallow? Oh, I don't know. What? Reality. Oh, reality. Oh, very apropos. Oh, those come courtesy of Laffy Taffy Laffy Taffy rappers. Laffy Taffy rappers. I can't speak English. Laffy Taffy, if you're listening, please send an email to detoxpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I love Laffy Taffy, and I can't have it because I'm on keto, and we have a big bag because we got some for uh, Ellie's birthday party. Um, this uh, a couple weeks ago. Or almost like oh, wow! I can't believe it's almost been a couple of weeks. I know. My kid has been six for two weeks. That's that dude, is the craziest part of it. That is the roller coaster, man. You look up and it's like she's already done with her first six weeks. Like that's a whole other that, that could be a whole episode. Like the the school experience, which maybe we should talk about at some point soon. Um, but yeah, it's, that that's crazy. But yeah, so anyway, hashtag roundup and dad jokes of the week are out of the way which brings us to the end of our segment yes um or the end of our show actually um and so what you can do is if you want to do us a favor you can go to itunes leave us a five-star review it's free you don't even have to leave a uh, you don't have to put words in if you just leave a five-star review uh rate us and review us there if you want to put words that's even better it helps us with visibility on itunes you can also find us on the google play store iHeartRadio. Spotify, and most importantly, vocalnow.com, V-O-K-A-L now.com. Um, you, um, you can go to detoxpodcast.com and find links to all of our social media, which is under Detox Podcast. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Joe does a great job with that kind of stuff. Facebook, <laughs> um, you can email us there. Um you can send all the complaints to Joe at detoxpodcast.com. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I will not um, respond, but uh, you can yeah, send that's, <laughs> I, I don't even know if we have it had set up on our phones to get our respective emails, <laughs> but they are set up. That way I can check them if I wanted to. But we appreciate you listening. Without you, you, know, without you guys listening to us, doing the show wouldn't be nearly as fun as it is because as much as I'd love to hear myself talk, we don't want to talk to ourselves. We want to talk to you guys. So if you have anything to say, shoot us an email, find us on Facebook, send us a message, and uh, we'll be happy to have a conversation with you. That's right. Uh, so from all of us here at Detox, I uh, want to say, uh, I don't know, stick around, come back for the next episode. And uh, John usually does outro, so I'll try my hand at it. Uh, until next time, hashtag lunatic fringe. And hashtag be a better dad. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V O K A L now.com.